Try, try some of that hot, hot, fresh Stumbinos. You guys only get caribou served in this house usually, huh? Yeah, we're living kind of the the low life, we're the medium life. The medium life. Caribou's not bad. They're all right, but this is this this cup hits. If you yeah. got to drink corporate coffee, it should be caribou. Yeah, that's true. Mm, but that's if true. you want to drink good coffee. It should be Stumbinos. It should be Stumbinos. You heard it for you heard it there, people. That's a ringing endorsement for my sponsor, Stumbinos. Stumbinos Coffee out of Fergus Falls, Minnesota. As always, the website Stumbinos.com is is located conveniently in the episode description. So check them out. You can order online. Uh, they'll ship anywhere around the country, I believe. As far if I'm not mistaken, they will ship anywhere. Um, anyways, you guys got uh, a little evening recap day one recap with my mom yesterday and that was a lot of fun mom talked for like an hour i don't think we're gonna go that long but we might who knows no, she's she's way more entertaining than i am yeah but i'm having breakfast here with my dad we've got crunchy bacon mm. yeah hot, hot stumbino's coffee yeah bacon and eggs that's, that's what my dad was known for cooking whenever Whenever he was left to cook for us kids, it was always bacon and cheesy eggs. Bacon and cheesy eggs. Not the worst thing. You no. could do, you could have done worse. I mean, everybody lived. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, we all lived. Um so yesterday was fun. I did get to hang out with the family, all the kids. Um, you know, went out to twenty two Norseman with mom and had a really, really fun time out there. We are headed I've got to figure out some clothes for this wedding still. That's kind of my my top priority today is is to figure out what the heck I'm going to wear to this wedding. Need to head over to the thrift store with me later this afternoon. That's that's We'll get you set up. We'll get you set up for about 30 bucks. Nice. Nice. That's also a specialty of my father. That's that's another thing that <laughs> that you've been that you've been pretty good at in life is uh is thrift store diving. Um now I think Casey's Casey's got some stuff for me to to pick through. To, gotcha. to maybe to maybe get me some clothes, but um, and then I'm gonna try and go to uh, try and go and do a, another brewery review over at Copper Trail before we leave today. I think they open at noon. Yeah, so I'm gonna go try and get in at Copper Trail and, and hit them before we leave, and then I really have nothing else. Maybe another brewery on the way down to the cities or or near the hotel tonight, depending on mm-hmm. what time we get in and, and how all that works. But that's right. We're going to the cities today. We're going to the cities. So still a little. I I I have to kind of orient after I work a couple of nights in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Cause you my so so my dad is uh he is your your stereotypical provider. He works graveyard shifts. He's always done his part to provide for our family. Um now you know we've got a we've got a big family we've got a big family big with family all the grandkids and 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 all the ever all the everything and my dad is uh he's definitely a hard worker too so we all appreciate what you do dad oh thank we, you we really do we all really um do. 
the latest the latest idea. I don't know if I talked to you yet. Did I talk to you about the ice castle in the backyard? A little bit. A little okay. bit. Talked to Travis. We did a little more, little more research. I think we've got it figured out. Yeah. Travis is my brother-in-law. He's, I don't know if he's actually officially an engineer, but. Oh yeah. No engineer and not, and not the hoo-hoo type <laughs> engineer either. The, the kind that, that really puts stuff together. Nice. <laughs> so, so what's the plan for the ice castle in the backyard? So we're going to get a bunch of aluminum pans like the like the bigger three inch deep aluminum pans that you get uh, uh you people put turkeys in them and that sort of thing you get about 20 of those okay first cold snap comes along we're gonna start filling filling pans and freezing water and building an inventory of bricks ice just ice bricks just ice bricks. Mm. That's the size of that pan, about this thick. Okay. Come second week of January, we probably have 150, 200 bricks. How many pans are you going to have? 20. And just, just turn them over every night? Just turn them over, turn them over as fast as we can. I mean, that's, that's the calculation, right? It's like <laughs> figuring out... Figuring out if you fill that pan with that much water, how cold does it have to be in order for it to freeze overnight? Right. And then if, <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's, it's, this is, this is going to be, I'm interested and, in this. And then based on that, you can figure out how many of those aluminum pans you need. Okay. Because I was kind of thinking that, you know, you get a good week cold snap, where it's really cold overnight, if you can freeze one pan or at least freeze it solid enough that you can take it out and refill it, in five days you've got 100. And then are you guys, you guys going to build it igloo style? or we're, I'm still trying to figure... This is where Travis the engineer comes in. <laughs> okay. Because I'm trying, to fi- I'm trying to figure out if we're just going to go... Like big wall, like actual castle. No, no ceiling. With maybe a wood ceiling, uh, but see. I really don't want that. Nobody wants a wood ceiling in no. the ice castle. No, that's like no. That's it, like the. I feel like that's like the cop out. Or if you, yeah. or if you can't, so, if you can't figure out a way to engineer a roof out of ice. So I think it's. I think it's a big igloo. Big enough that we can get everybody inside around a fire. Dang. Well, that's the plan. A fire inside of an ice castle. How long do you think that's going to last for? Oh, a long time. The Eskimos build fires in there and they live. How did the Eskimos do it? Did they do ice? Did they do, or did they like pack snow snow. and then they like dig down Mm -hmm. to layers of of packed snow? Get the, get the slough, the loose stuff off the top layer. What'll happen is. You, it'll warm up in there and it'll just kind of get glazed over. Okay. You know, get shiny. You got to have proper ventilation. Again, this is going to be where Travis, this is going to be where Travis shines here. Yeah. <laughs> if we can get the dome built, all you got to do is poke a little hole in the ceiling and yeah, the smoke will go out. I like it. I like it. All right. That's enough talk of 
so, ice castles. So, so mom went mom went deep into her background yesterday. She did. I mean, she told she told stories about um about grandma and Harold and Bill. Oh yeah, no, that's that's just that's, grandma. That's the stuff. That's the stuff. That, that's the stuff over on like, that. She's like on, uh, over on her side. Mom's, of the like, family. mom's like, yeah, I think that's like pretty normal. Pretty normal stuff. It's like, mom, that is not normal. Like people, maybe somebody else in the world also experienced something like that. But oh, a lot of people. Grandma keeping a lot it in of the family. Pe- a lot know? of pe- people experience all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I don't know that. You know, I I really don't know that that circumstance is all that uncommon in the closed doors and back histories of people's families. Hmm. Not mine, but yeah, at least not that I know of, but you were were adopted. Yeah. Yeah. I was adopted, but tell me about your childhood at all. Anything I don't know about your childhood. Cause mom was sharing some stuff with me that I didn't really know. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. What don't you know? I guess so you you're you're all of your siblings were adopted. Yeah, all three of us were adopted. Grandma couldn't have kids. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was her. she couldn't have kids or if dad couldn't have kids or if I mean, my my adopted dad, my dad was a type one diabetic. Okay, that he he had grown up as a child as a type one diabetic that was and wasn't diagnosed, hmm. so he was always kind of on the sickly side of things, and um, so when he when he joined the navy during World War II and went to boot camp is when they discovered that he had diabetes and he was honorably discharged. Interesting. um, And sent home because of that. And so though his entire life, he was a insulin dependent diabetic where he had to give himself shots twice a day and then really, really, kind of brittle I, I mean really had to watch his um watch his blood sugar i mean i the scariest i can the scariest times in my life early as a kid that i can remember just being scared was um being in the car with him when he was having an insulin reaction yeah and he just not really being able to control the speed or the brakes and my, what? and my mom <laughs> there was one trip there was one trip down that I remember I I I remember pretty well we were coming back from a day trip up to Mount Rainier which I'm sure was just a stressful thing for him because he loved going to the mountains. I think he hated Dragon Three Kids. Oh, <laughs> and I, as I'm older now, as I'm uh, as I'm older, I totally 
get that. Yeah. I totally get how much of oh, a yeah. pain in the butt we were to take hiking, especially yep. my sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So, Sharon, if you ever listen, you know it's true. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to share this with the I'm going to share this with the family. I'm going to encourage the family to listen, especially to mom's to mom's uh interview last night that was one of the more entertaining hours i've had of, of podcasting really? so far yeah i mean well your mom's a superstar she is she that's, is that's yep. all there is to it she and just is yes she's awesome one of a kind and she is a superstar she's awesome so you grew up your dad was a pastor growing no, up. Not, no not not right when away. i was growing up no so okay my dad his his dad started a company that i believe is still going in tacoma called standard iron at that time it was standard iron and wireworks um it became standard iron fabricators he started a company so his dad did oh okay and so he and it he and his brother um after world war ii and they had some cousins, I think, that were kind of in the mix there, too. <clears throat> Started this fabrication and ornamental iron business in Tacoma. And my dad was not, he wasn't into the big iron, you know, welding. That He was, he was the ornamental guy. And so... Um, I can remember as a kid, he had a number of really big projects that he did for a couple of in a couple of churches in town there, and some gate, some big gate work and stuff that is probably still standing in Tacoma, unless somebody looked at it and decided to tear it down at some point because it was outdated, huh. but. Uh, yeah, so he was always he was always very meticulous and really you know, he made all kinds of stuff. Every candle, every candle snuffer that you put candles out with, he made. Um so cuz you're you're kind of meticulous. You're you're kind of similar in that way um this is a good question because we have a lot of adopt i mean kj's adopted uh -huh. yep we have you know uh ryan and peter have adopted kids yep i'm i'm fascinated by how much of being raised by your parent like you know you kind of become sort of you get characteristics you develop your personality and your characteristics oh you're definitely your shaped you're definitely shaped. how much of that is is uh biological or like uh what is it nature versus nurture is what we're talking right. about here um like because because i feel i mean shoot listen to the two of us talk here i i am a product of you and mom right. so much so yeah. that i can't really relate to the fact but then i look at like kj and kj's developed such a person such a personality that 
is a part of our family too and a product of our family too. Yes. So I'm interested in 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 your take on that being that all three of your siblings were adopted cuz Dan seems a little Dan you Dan and Sharon are all a little bit different. Yeah, no, that that's that's absolutely absolutely the case. And it's interesting because as I get older, I, I mean just turn 60 I'm able to I'm able to look back on situations that were really frustrating and didn't make a lot of sense to me that I now kind of see through the eyes of understanding that there there's a certain amount of definitely a certain amount of nature there i've had the opportunity to be, meet my birth mom right. and then meet some of the extended of some of the extended family right and i have a cousin of my birth mom that the moment we met it was almost telepathic hmm. it was almost like it was almost w like within just a little bit it felt like we got each other yeah and i think my experience being adopted growing up it was never a big deal ne never a big deal it just was what it was right and um, being, you know, I was born in 1963, so my mom was an unwed 19-year-old that had me in, in the room, and they wheeled me out one door one way, and they wheeled her out one door the other way, and that was... And I became a I I became a product of Lutheran Family Services. Interesting. Where I was there for. Let's see. I was adopted at three months. Okay. Three. Yep. Three months old. Huh. Born in May. Adopted end of August. First part of September. So you spent the first three months of your life in some. <clears throat> Lutheran services. Yep, probably home. in a row. Probably in a row. In a row of cribs. Interesting. Next to a, <laughs> a bunch of other. Next to a bunch of other babies that probably would be aborted if it was today. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Shoot, my birth mom says that she had an uncle that was a doctor. That if he'd have known, if he'd have known. Three weeks earlier, I probably wouldn't be here. Huh. Dang. And mom has a story like that too. I didn't get it from mom, but I have had it, I've heard it from her before that grandma had a abortion lined up and grandpa saw to the fact that that wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean everybody makes decisions, right? I get it. I get it. I get it. But 
I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad that at in at my time that that wasn't something that was chosen. Yep. Yep, for sure. For sure. Huh. So, uh growing up then, grandpa loved trains. Grandpa loved trains. He brought So he was and I think this is the roots from my understanding. This is the roots of skiing in our, in our family. You're kind of Grandpa skied a little bit, right? He was into skiing a little bit. Yes. Recreationally. Remember what I said about how Grandpa loved going to the mountains? Yeah. But he he hated dragging kids along. (laughs) Oh, and that's no, there's nothing more relatable to that than when you're trying to go and enjoy skiing in the mountains. So, yes. So that was something. So my dad didn't get married until he was 32 interesting 32 33 somewhere somewhere around in there is when he got married and so he had his whole he had his whole 20s where he was the fun uncle like me <laughs> yeah yeah like you and he he was very involved with Walther League at the time, which was a Lutheran youth organization. And so he did hikes and camping and stuff with that group um, to Mount Rainier and skiing and and those outdoor type of activities. He was really into that. And then when he got married, he kind of settled down or just, you know, again, Love going to the mountains, but it's pain to drag kids along sometimes. Yeah. You know? And so he would, he, he purchased founding stock in Crystal Mountain when they were building the mountain. That was something they did in the Pacific Northwest was, you know, Seattle, Tacoma. They really pushed hard and a bunch of people bought in and so what he got as a dividend for that um every year he got lift credit equaling a season pass okay so, so it was like what 130 days of skiing or something, something um, like that. 120 no well it, it was more like if you wanted if you wanted to oh, turn I it see. into a season pass, you could turn it into a season pass. Gotcha. Otherwise, or yep. it, whatever the season pass the cost was. was the dollar amount, and then you bought lift tickets with that. Gotcha. And so, for the longest time, he donate he donated that to um, Concordia Lutheran School for like an auction thing. Okay. Um, or donated half of it um, after a while. And but, how old were you when this was going down? Were you were you of the age where you're like, "Hey, give that to me"? I was old like, enough. To, I was old enough to consciously want to ski. Yep. Okay. Like so, like seven, eight, six. Yeah, probably. So, I, the my first memory of kind of seeing it and going, "Oh." was I can vaguely remember so I was born in 63 so it would have been 
The Winter Olympics in 68, I kind of barely remember that, but I definitely remember the Nagano Olympics in 72 because I would have been 10. Right, okay. Um, But I can remember seeing ski jumping and I can remember seeing like slalom skiing. Yeah. But that was kind of it. And so it snowed a couple of times in the backyard. Um, We had some stairs that I packed with snow and slid down on these wooden skis that had little spring bindings that hooked around your snow boots. Nice. I did that, like that. Then we went up to Paradise on Mount Rainier one time. They had a rope tow there, but we didn't get rope tow tickets. Um, I can't remember if we toed, but I definitely remember climb. I climbed up the hill with those skis on, and I remember sliding down. And, of course, they have no heel support, right? Right. So I remember sliding down and hitting a sticky spot at the bottom and going (laughs) over the end, you know, (laughs) over the end of my skis. And that was traumatic. And I, so then didn't ski again, like, officially until when Sharon got old enough to go skiing. Then we all got to go ski. Gotcha. How much younger is, is Sharon? Than Four you? years younger. Four years. So, so you were in was, your teens. Were you in your I teens? I was eleven. You were eleven. I, I was eleven the first time that I at, had proper, at Crystal Mountain. At Crystal Mountain. That's awesome because that's the first place I ever skied too. Yeah, was Crystal Mountain. But I was like two. I yeah. think you brought me up when I was like, because yep. I was the baby of the family. You were. So, huh, interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I was 11 and we went up. That was, again, my dad, pretty smart, pretty smart. I get it now. I'm sitting there in December, January. I want to go skiing. Right. I want to go skiing. Let's go skiing. Can we go skiing? Can we go skiing? Can we go skiing? No, can't go, can't go, can't go. He was waiting for March. Yep. Because he wanted to go get the, he wanted to leave you kids with grandma and go up and ski some powder probably. He didn't want, (laughs) this is the Pacific Northwest. This is Pacific Northwest in the early 70s. Yeah. There ain't no Gore-Tex. Right. You know, and so he knew that the chances of Wet having snow or rain. pleasant weather, yeah. a little bit of sunshine, you know, kind of easy corn snow to ski in was going to be beneficial not only for us, but for him too, because that's what he liked. He wasn't, yep. he was not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe him as an expert skier. Hmm. He was very, you know, kind of, Long traverse and and stem Christie turns down the hill, hmm. uh, but he loved it. Yeah, he loved being out doing it. Yeah, and so yeah, and then from there on, it was getting the most out of that lift credit meant that we were going to the mountain on either Friday night or Saturday night, 
and making laps on Quicksilver. Just the low Quicksilver is the lower just that part one of, of crystal. Yeah, that yep. one lower that was what had lights. Well that and I can't believe I didn't I haven't been back to Crystal Mountain as an adult. I only have memories of Crystal Mountain as a kid. You've been back as an adult. I have been back as an adult. I would I think it'd be very, very interesting. Mom told the story about how the first time I got on the chairlift I would I was wiggle, 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 yep. and wiggled myself right off the chairlift. Yeah. Because I remember making laps on that midway get off. Yeah. That, the midway yeah. exit off the lift there. Yeah. At, uh, Until at you one. weren't paying attention and you just rode right on past to the top. And I probably did just fine up you there. You did all right. You probably, <laughs> I think you had a little... I think you had a little fear crisis at the beginning, but then you realized that you knew how to turn and yep. all was good. Yep, yep, yep. So... Um, grew up skiing and then you, dad, grandpa was a pastor. Not until he graduated from seminary the day before I graduated from high school. Okay. So, 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 so he was going to school. In fab, he was a fabricator. He was in, he was in that. Interesting. He was in that. fabrication. Yep. Huh. Okay. Yep. Huh. And he did that all the way through until. When his brother retired, when his brother retired, they sold the business. And when they sold the business, then he went to he'd all he was always really involved with our church, and you know was per, usually as I was growing up, the thing I remember most about him is he was um, he was probably gone a minimum of two nights a week, a lot of times three nights a week for church stuff. Gotcha. Huh. And so always involved. And then he did, he did prison ministry. So I can remember he did a few, you do, he kind of do that for a couple of years. And then, um, Either that guy'd get transferred or he'd get released, and then he, I think, I want to say he did that for quite a few years as I was growing up. I can remember taking him down to the uh, dock so he could get on the ferry to ride the boat across to McNeil Island Federal Penitentiary, hmm. and uh, and do Bible study with guy. Interesting, interesting. Do you need more coffee? I'll have a, well, no, I'm good right now. You're good right now. Yep. Okay, all right. So, you can get more. If well, you want. I, I can, I can. We, as I say, we could, we could pause. We could get some coffee. We're at the half hour mark. We are. Yeah, we could pause. Get and some I've coffee. rambled and not really no, said much. No, I like anything. it. I like it. This is, this is, this was the idea of it. I mean, I don't know how. <laughs> I think that there's some people that will be really interested in this. Honestly, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cranking out so many hours of, of content of content that people are that, gonna. Just so absorb folks, what they want to absorb. So you can clearly, that means that it's okay if you want to hit the fast forward button to whoever you want to listen to Yeah. besides me. There's, there's or the rewind other- to get the real entertainment <laughs> with Jana. Yeah. You guys got to listen to the episode with my mom for sure. I enjoy. I enjoyed it. But I want to hear more about um, you, how you and mom met from your perspective. But let me pause. I'm going to pause. I'm going to get some coffee. I'll top you off and and freshen up your cup too. So we'll be back here. All right. So let me grab my. So you 
you said that there's still some things to unpack about the the adoption dynamics <laughs> of in our family. Well, I'm interested in what you mean by that. I think it's. I think there's a couple. It's a because obviously now we have this huge family, you know, and four of those kids are adopted. Yep, three of them. Four of them. Yep. Well, three of Ryan's kids yeah, and KJ. Three of Ryan's and KJ. And I think that I know that me being adopted made it much more easy to consider ourselves when the time came to make decisions about KJ. Hmm. Um, but I also think that. It's made me sort of sensitive to the reality that I felt in my family dynamic that I was always kind of the odd man out. Hmm. Not purposefully, not malicious, not maliciously, anything or anything like that. It was just that I was. It's a little different. Hmm. And I think that my my mom's personality and my personality were like on different ends of the spectrum. And while, yeah, I have some similarities with my dad, I felt like his personality and my personality right. were also on opposite ends of the spectrum. Whereas Sharon's personality and my mom's personality were much more closely aligned. Right. And Dan's personality and my dad's personality mm. were much more closely aligned. You're the oldest of the three of them. I'm right? the yep. oldest of the three of yep. them, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you felt like uh, you didn't belong or you felt like you there was Not always that little bit like I don't know that I consciously ever felt like I didn't belong. I wouldn't say that, but I definitely felt I definitely felt like I don't know that it really mattered to me whether I felt like they got me or not. But I, I was <clears throat> conscious of the fact that it felt like they didn't. Yeah. But then a lot of that is a lot of that is is from me too. Yep. You know, nobody knew. Nobody was talking. Nobody was talking about anything about ADD when I was a kid. Okay. It just and, didn't exist back then or what? Well, no, we had it. We had it. It just wasn't, it just wasn't seen. The last 40 years, especially in the area of education, maybe for better, maybe for worse, it's become far more open to acknowledging and recognizing that different people are wired differently and right. different people learn differently. 
the education system that I came up in and the style of education at that time was very regimented, very rigid, and there was no there's there was no recognition as to why somebody couldn't get stuff done other than the fact that they were lazy. Right. Hmm. And so I mean, I received a significant amount, at least from what I perceive, a significant amount of corporal punishment. Like out in the hallway, swats on the butt with the paddle. At school? At school. Dang. For not getting my homework done. What year did all that stop? What year did they say, like, oh, can't hit the kids with the paddle at school anymore? Like, when did that well, stop? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and you look you look at it, you, you look at it now, and it's like, okay, yes, there has to be a level of discipline that is adhered to Do you- in order for that in order for the education system to work. Because one of the problems that we have right now is we got a lot of people leaving the education, leaving the education system because they don't want to deal with the lack of discipline. I was going to say, do you think that the, there's a correlation between getting hit with a paddle at school and the softness of society we see now? Do you think there's a correlation between that? Oh, as far as um, maybe more of a juxtaposition, which is... Or entitlement, maybe. I don't want to say soft well, society, but I feel like society's more entitled. Uh, kids don't grow up with respect as much anymore. I think... Like, my generation was a whole lot more disrespectful than yours, probably. And KJ's generation, even more so. I I think it splits. I I think that you have far... I think you have far fewer... I think you have far fewer examples or far fewer models of, like, just kind of moderate, middle-of-the-road discipline that may involve corporal punishment. I think that like a lot of things in our society, you have this huge split one way or the other, you know, yeah, you're very few in the middle. You're either really heavy with that. And I think that there's a part of society that has gone, has become worse in how they treat their kids mm. and what they expose their kids to. Yeah. And what they just, they just don't think twice about their kids growing up in this environment, hearing these things, yep. having their parents talk like this, mm. having their, having, having the, their, their whole world shaped by this attitude of, the teacher's always wrong. The authority mm. figure is always wrong. And no, those people aren't perfect, but I think there was a I think there was a structure and a standard that was applied that was unpleasant at times. And 
I'm sure there are people in my in my generation that were really messed up by the things they experienced that were crappy. Hmm. That weren't necessarily abuse or but maybe would be labeled as abuse today. I mean, probably getting swatted with a paddle in the hallway at school would be labeled as as child abuse today. Yeah, I want to know what year that ended. What did they pass a law? No, do I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they still do it at old Concordia Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they still do it. Uh, well, the kids behave pretty well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard stories too from, you know, I did the it, it was a, even old, some older people than you, but yeah, they were uh when I did the class the 1970 class reunion. Yeah. And I got those interviews from those people. Pretty much all of them said one of the memories they had was their gym teacher had a paddle. Yeah. And he'd hit them all with the paddle and they'd, and they would sign the paddle and then they'd learn their lessons. And yeah, it's just, I'm trying to think what the equivalent was. We just got like set to the office. Yeah. We just got to like go talk to somebody or something, uh-huh. which, you know, like you said, some people that's better, a lot better. Yeah. Some people don't learn that way. You know, like uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine. It's an interesting topic of of how our it society is. has evolved well, in and that way. For you sure. know, I think that as I've got as I've gotten older, I've definitely had to had to kind of deal with the. You know, I had uh, an adult diagnosis of. ADD hmm. and I've had to that helped me unpack a lot it helped me unpack a lot of stuff from going through school hmm. um, because I wasn't a great I was smart but I wasn't a great student Whereas your mom was smart and she was a good student and was like National Honor Society and, hmm. you know, great grades. I mean, just, I was, you know, what does my grade point average need to be in order for me to maintain my eligibility to be able to play in the basketball game on Thursday night, and does that mean I have to turn in homework? And then, oh, the final's coming up. Well, if I get an A or a B on the final, I get a B minus C plus in the class. And I was always able to kind of cram and pull out that A minus, B, B plus on the final, get myself a passing grade, and roll on. And it was the most frustrating thing to my teachers and my parents. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I feel like, and, and this is where I'm really, I had a conversation with, uh, Mr. Thorstead. I don't know if you remember Jesse Thorstead or not, but he's, you know, we, it was just briefly came up, but the idea of, I mean, there's good and bad that's going to come with this AI and society. But I think one of the really, really, huge big breakthrough moments that we're going to have over the next five to 10 years is individualized learning styles and plans through artificial intelligence. 
Uh, yeah, ability, I, can, I can see that being the ability to look at someone, and, the ability to look at someone and process their personality and their learning styles and adapt to that in a way that they can absorb and, and, and learn yeah, better. I, I mean, that's it's interesting. A, that's great. That's yeah. a, that's a great angle on that, that I hadn't really yep. thought of before, but there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about some really, really good things yep. and really positive ways to use this so let's get back on track here okay let's let's talk about meeting mom okay so i went to first year college in minnesota moved came back home and my dad had gotten a call to um call to serve a church in seaview washington so that's the Long Beach Peninsula. That's the Long Beach Peninsula. Beautiful spot. Yeah, great spot. I had no no idea. And so I think I was home for four or five days, and next thing I know, we are moving out of the house that I'd lived in since we were since I was five, and moving down to the. Long Beach Peninsula on the very southwest corner of Washington. So I was I was out of high school. My brother and sister were still in high school, so they went to. Well, Dan actually, yeah, he went to Iwako. and um, and so yeah, we moved there and. You were in like college or high I, school at the time? I was out of, I had just finished first year of college, but I wasn't going back to New Ulm for my second year. Okay. You were just like a one and done for college? I was a done? one and done there. Academic failure? Uh, yeah, not really. Didn't really, was not the greatest experience. I, I was not. I was not mature enough to deal with just what was necessary in order to be stable in that environment. Doing too many drugs? Not so much, <laughs> not so much there, but definitely definitely drinking and partying. Yeah. a lot and and just being excessive and just going through you know going through stuff you go through as a young person that you know just yeah sometimes you react well to that and sometimes you don't react well to that and mm. so yeah it wasn't going to I wasn't going back for the second year so we moved down to the peninsula and that was a that was a different world than I had. I'd grown up in very sheltered, kind of white bread, you know, our little house in Tacoma there, and and just yeah, the a totally different scene at the beach, and. So I worked, 
I worked at Roy's Market for a while, and then I managed a gas station there for a little while. And um, that next fall... That next fall, I went to Clatsop Community College, and I took ag classes. Where was that at? Astoria. Okay. So I did that, and then um, I think it was, I want to say, the following spring? Jana was one of my sister's friends. Okay. So I kind of met her that way. But then I had a good friend named Jeff Anderson that worked at the cottage bakery. And Jana's friend Helena also worked at the cottage bakery. Okay. And so... Then the four of us kind of hung out a little bit. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah. Because the story I got was you and mom met over a game of Risk. Yes. Which is a great game. Yeah, great game. Great game to develop strong relationships. You yep. guys had an alliance? Did you guys have an alliance in the so game of Risk? Here's the Did you win that game of Risk? Well, here's the dirty little secret. Yeah. We invited the girls over to play Risk because we had to have somebody to eliminate off the board before the <laughs> two of us went at each other. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you had an alliance with your friend, Jeff, or whoever it was? <laughs> yeah, until it was time to turn on each other. And then take out the women, <laughs> eliminate the women, <laughs> finish the game. Well, because you can't play Risk with two people. You need at no, least four. you have to start. You yeah. have to start with more than that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we'd play with three. And oh man, my friend Ronnie Burt, he was always the odd man out when we started with three. <laughs> <laughs> and it never seemed like it was on purpose, but it always seemed to work out that way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the memories. So then. You and mom met at the beach. Met at the beach. And uh, got married, like, right away. Yeah, in a, within the first, so, yeah, just about a year. And then Ryan was born right away. Pretty quick. Within the, before you guys got married? No, no. No. Mom was four months pregnant when we got married. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Huh. So Ryan was born in Ryan was born November third. We got married on May eleventh. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then you worked a bunch of different jobs. I mean, mom kind of laid out the the path a uh, little bit in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, working for Uncle Richard yeah, on the farm. We moved to the farm. You did for some, a, while. a bunch of sawmill work. I remember as a kid you worked at like a sawmill. That's why you're deaf in one ear. Yep. Um you just hopped around to a bunch of different shoot you've worked a bunch of different jobs throughout I believe, the years. I believe that Ryan <clears throat> described it once as dad. 
you've had more bar you've had more jobs than Barbie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of everything. It just, you know, it's funny because I feel like I've failed forward in a lot of things. Hmm. I did a lot of things that didn't work, that didn't that weren't what they needed weren't what they needed to be or just weren't weren't right. But there's always been this I mean blessing and provision that just I kind of the next thing is a little bit better and the next thing is a little bit different and you know doesn't mean that there aren't things that I still look at as you know failures but because uh mom was explaining like you guys were really poor right away oh yeah like you guys were broke 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 oh. three kids right oh, away right out of the yeah right out of the gate three kids broke i remember we rented a house one winter when i this was when i was working at the sawmill and it was this big house that had some electric baseboard heaters that they didn't really work very well. It was just it kind of dump of a place on this beautiful property, just gorgeous property. But um, it had this huge, it had this big wood stove in the furnace or wood stove in the basement. And this ductwork that wasn't insulated that ran all out. And the basement wasn't really a basement. It was more of like a walk-in. So it's the house is on posts. So we nicknamed the the wood stove Jaws. Jaws. You couldn't put enough wood in that thing. <laughs> you could not put enough wood in that thing to heat the house. Dang. We spent that entire winter... Um, basically in the bedroom, huddled up, trying to stay huddled on. up in the bedroom. Ryan was, she was like one or two, right around that age, and I was working five thirty at night to three thirty in the morning, and trying to sleep. She'd let me sleep for. I'd get home at six or so, and she'd let me sleep till maybe ten. Then hmm. she'd be prying my eyeballs open. <laughs> prying my eyeballs. Daddy, wake! Daddy, wake! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. So yeah, it and then yeah, we were we were really, you know, really struggling for a while. Um, always, always, just. I remember my. I mean. For the most part, my child, you guys always did really well by us kids. Always did really well by us kids. But but money was always a thing. A thing. Always a thing. Always a thing. It was always always a thing. It was always apparent that you know, growing up, I, I was always aware that 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 was a, a huge stressor in your guys' yeah. life. Something that. Um, yeah something that was really 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 hard to to get through week to week yeah. um 
always making sacrifices, financial sacrifices for us kids to do things. Um, and I think that a, a, a part of that probably still exists today. There's probably a certain dynamic of that that still exists today. I mean, you guys make a little bit more money now. Yeah, I um, I I think so. I I think I mean <laughs> I've told Jana this a number of times in the last year that you know, sometimes I feel like I feel like the reason we've been blessed financially like we have been is because I'm making more money because I'm supposed to give it away. Yeah. You know, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to do stuff. I'm not supposed to just, not just me, you know, and, and part of this is probably setting myself up for difficulties in retirement. You know, mm. at some point I will probably be back to stressing over, money on a regular mm. ba on a regular basis i see that I, it's nothing that i can't see it's easy to it's easy to look at and and say yeah you know on at this rate yeah i'm probably going to be poor again if i live long cuz you're going to be 60 next year i'm 60 now oh you're 60 I now just turned 60. you just turned 60 so yeah i mean so even Most if people I want to retire by 65 Oh no! I just had that conversation. I just had that conversation with the guy this morning, and he says, "Yeah, you know, I got three years, three years left till I retire." And he goes, "How about you?" I said, "Well, I'm probably going to be at this job for another seven years, and then I don't know what I'm going to do after that. But I'll definitely start, you know, drawing Social Security, and then try to drive tractor a couple seasons a, a year, and maybe do a little ski instructing and." You know, who knows what Running. in the summer. You'll be, you'll be the, I've always known this about you. You'll be the old man at the ski area, bumping chairs, helping load people on chairlifts, sitting on a stool because you can't stand. That's going to, I've just always pictured you yeah, as that guy. Yeah, maybe. I feel like I'm, I feel like I got to be able, I got to do what I'm doing. I got to be able to do whatever I'm doing at the, at the hill on skis, at least for a while. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, maybe one of us kids will step it up. Maybe one of us kids. Maybe KJ's the one. Maybe, but all he does is play video games. So I know, and then he won't. <laughs> then he won't even go out for the esports team. It's like, how are we gonna? How am I gonna know if the thousands of hours of esport practice that he's done without officially being in esports is has produced? I need to know if that kind of dedication has produced a champion or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's well, he's not the only kid that spends thousands has spent thousands of hours on his Xbox. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> so um shoot, we're at an hour now almost. Are we? Yeah. But that's okay. All right. It's okay. I mean uh, the only you thing you can edit this down. There's no stuff. I'm not I don't edit anything. No, Yo, you don't. This nope. is just raw. I, I push the play button and this is what this is what they there get. There you go, folks. That this is what you get. This is what on, you get. You know, three hours of sleep and an overnight shift. Yep, yep. And yep. some Stumbino's coffee to oh. get me talkative. I mean, we do have, we do have the caribou mugs here, but Ooh, it's yeah, it's, you, 
it's, it's not it's not caribou no, coffee just to clarify it's an here up north mug very nice but mug. it's the very uh nice it's the stumbinos inside that so makes it great share some insights about mom shared a cool story about me as a kid you got any what's your favorite stories about me when i was a really really little kid just something one thing real quick i think I think my favorite thing about you when you were a little kid was your your accent that we could never figure out where it came from. <laughs> Everything, I mean, pop was a three-syllable word, pop. I mean, everybody, everybody wanted to know, I mean, especially so, you know, we lived in, we lived in Minnesota and then I think we moved, when we moved back to Washington, we were a little older, but I think that was about that, that was about that time where everything sounded, it sounded like you were born in Louisiana. <laughs> So that was that was fun, but I think the other thing was just I just always with all with with all you kids as you were growing up, I just remember I remember enjoying doing stuff. I remember enjoying soccer. I remember enjoying just you know going skiing. Um you know, I think that I think the how how quickly you seemed to take on to skiing was just fun to watch. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you ever I I still believe the first turn you made was a parallel turn. That's right. I love it. <laughs> um, how about just and quickly because you can talk about. You can talk for about a half hour on each one of these talking points I give you. Yeah. But talk about the transition from, because you guys came back to Minnesota to be, you were going to be a pastor. Yes. That was the reason you guys ended up in Fergus Falls. That was the reason why we ended up in Fergus Falls. And then, um, I don't think you made it more than a year in seminary school. No, I was, I made it one, I was one year full time and then part time over the next two years and then decided it wasn't going to work out. It wasn't. Yeah. For you. It just, it wasn't. So. And it wasn't a religious thing. Oh no. It wasn't. No, I, I still mean, love Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and you, you've been very, you were still very involved with like youth. I mean, we're in this, uh, youth stavunger youth fantasy league that we've been in since i was 10 years old and i think that started when you were in seminary school um so it was more about the education side of it the the The, uh, the education so and the compliance do you have a compliance complex when it comes to school and education i may i may have a little bit of that i i think that i I think that in the end, I wasn't the right fit. 
at least not for where I was. Hmm. And I also believe that there was some there was some personal failings that occurred there too. Hmm. Some business, some some things that I was working for I was working for a guy managing rental properties and that did not end well. Huh. Um that ended that ended with me that ended with me having paid myself more money than I had earned ahead of time. Interesting. And so that was a there was some restitution that I had to pay there and some things that huh. went on that was that and that was connected to that was connected to the seminary. Interesting. Huh. I didn't hear about any of that. Well, yeah, it's not something that I just go talking about. <laughs> but I mean you asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So yeah, it's one of my, it's one of the, you know, I got things, I got things in my life that I carry some shame over and that's, mm. you know, that's one of them. And, and it's just, it's, it's hard when you have, it's hard when you have failings that become public knowledge or general knowledge mm. and um especially in a small town especially in a especially in a small town yeah. or especially in a tight a tight mm -hmm. community and so yeah it's hard it's hard sometimes to um it's hard to separate sometimes it's hard to separate that from the really good life that we had in Fergus Falls. Yep. Good life. Good life. Good people. Friends. You know, great community people that we knew through soccer. You know, all of that was good. It was good. But I think, you know, mom and I both have kind of a, just cloud. There's a cloud that kind of shadows that time for us a little bit. Mm. That um, yeah, yeah. Mom, mom skirted over the opportunity to talk about, and that's fine. The 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 end of Field of Beans was just yep. kind of a we didn't really talk about that, and that's yeah. okay. And that's okay. We it's certainly just, don't have to. It, well, um, yeah, but it's similar things. It's similar similar things. Thi so it's you know? it is similar things. It's it is it's failure, right? Mm. Okay, people have failures. Yeah. And um like what well, I said before, I feel a little bit like I failed I failed forward on a number of times in in my life. Or I've been blessed as I failed yeah. to, you know, um have any number of things that have happened that could have just derailed everything. Um and not had me, you know, end up in this place here now where I'm 60 years old and I'm relatively healthy and I'm got 
you know, eight grandkids within a mile of the house. And I'm, yeah, I, we, we have to watch our, we have to watch our pennies, but it's not like we're trying to decide if we're going to go skiing or pay rent. Yep. Skiing won a couple of times. <laughs> Skiing was always the winner. <laughs> That's awesome, though. How about, uh, man? I could. I feel like we could talk. For, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. But I want to. I kind of. I got to tell you, it is. It's amazing how. easy it is to have this conversation with the microphones and the headphones we're sitting here on the couch yep next to each other we do not need these items right in order to have this conversation right but i'm 60 and we've never really had and a chat you're like this. 33 34 34 yeah We've never had this conversation. You've never asked me these questions. We've you've never sat down and just asked me these questions. Right. Shame on me for it. But shame on us for not doing it. It's th this is huh. this is a this is why I think that this medium that you're reaching out to people with hmm. and giving people an opportunity to tell a story or wish somebody well or like you did with the reunion where people can come and they can talk about their memories of of going to school how you're not just having those conversations naturally it creates a purposeful kind of a purposeful path for that conversation to take. If you know that we're not just sitting here trying to decide what we're going to talk about, you know, Oh, Hey, we're having an intentional conversation. We're having we're an intentional to, conversation. To something and tell it's, a story. Exactly. Yep. Hmm. And it's, I think it's just, I, it feels easier to answer the questions sitting here with the microphone and, the, and hearing the questions through yeah. the headset. Well, and you're not just talking to me. You're talking to, we're talking to anyone who wants to listen yes. to this. You know, like we're talking to the world, whoever wants to, I don't know how many people are going to hear this or how many people are going to decide they want to make it an hour and 10 minutes into this. Yeah. Probably. It's a, it's probably, a long way. Because there's probably gotta, a lot more people that are going to start through some stuff yeah. to get to here. Yeah. You've got to read it through <laughs> some stuff to get to the end of this thing for yeah. sure. And we might not even be done. We're an hour and 10 minutes in, but I do have to figure out my wedding clothes situation. I got to go over to Casey's. I got to figure that out. I still want to get that brewery review in. I'm telling you, I kind of pre-shopped the thrift store. It looks good. There's good uh, prospects. I, I, I'll have to check it out. Stuff. There's stuff. There's stuff there. I, I, you know, I. But and, you're a hoarder, so there's always stuff at the thrift store. You're like a healthy hoarder. You'll be happy to know that I walked to the checkout stand yep. at Goodwill the other day. With a fishing pole in my hand. Gosh, you have so many fishing poles. <laughs> but I got to the checkout stand and I started looking the fishing pole over a little bit more closely. And I decided, no, I'm saving my $6.99. Save my $7. And I took uh. it back. <laughs> Luckily, 
when I took the fishing pole back, I happened to walk by a perfectly good Milk House electric heater that was also six ninety nine. So that's what I brought home. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. How about uh, before we get out of here? Yep. Advice, relationship advice, travel advice, um, religious advice, mental health advice, anything of those categories that sparks so that you want to talk about. I think that let's go order of importance. Okay. Religious advice. The most important religious advice that I can ever give anybody is remember you're not the person in charge of it. Hmm. God is in charge of it. God is in charge of your path. Yep, you have an influence. You have a will to move one way or the other, but God has promised to pursue. And we should always take comfort in the fact that he does not abandon us. And the most important thing anybody can do is walk around life with a core value and a core understanding that God does not abandon you. Hmm. There's all sorts of other things that you can unpack from that. There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of paths to go down and we can talk about justification and all of these right. things. The abandonment but- thing though, there's a man, there's a lot of people who have experienced really, really tough, tragic loss that they cannot wrap their head around in this life. I I and, and I and understand it feels that. probably hearing them say God doesn't abandon you probably is is very, very difficult for a lot of people to hear and understand because there's a lot of situations where people feel like God has abandoned them and how so, could you forsake me in this way? Yeah. You know, how could no, you, I, how could you I, let me experience I, the loss of my child? Yeah. How could you let me I, experience I this? I get it. Cause, cause we've come from a family and this is, I'm, this is something that I'm, as I dive into my own convictions about religion and all uh-huh. this stuff, like I realize how blessed I am to have two healthy parents to have, you know, I've, I've lost a close friend, uh, you know, not a close, uh, you know, not a super close friend, but I lost a, a good childhood friend, um, in a tragic way. But outside of that, I haven't experienced devastating loss. Right. And I don't know how much our family has really experienced devastating no, I, loss. And, and so, okay. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that maybe what I say there comes off as as too simplistic or too glib but i also know that i know people i we just spent we just spent some time with some folks here uh, a couple of weekends ago that that what you described devastating loss 
And it was the saddest thing. They didn't feel like God had abandoned them, but they felt like their Christian friends had abandoned them. Hmm. They felt like their church had abandoned them. Hmm. They felt like they felt like there was such an inability. Maybe it, maybe it's a cognitive dissonance that that occurs that we just talked about, which is, on one hand, God will not abandon you, and we get this idea that then God's not going to abandon us. He's going to make sure things go well for us. He's going to make sure that we're wealthy. He's going to make sure that we've got this, and he's going to make sure that we've got that, and our kids all have straight teeth and good hair. And and But when something tragic happens that sets off a cognitive dissonance with folks where it's like, how can how can this tragic thing happen? Where is the God? Where is the God that has promised me all these promises? Mm. If I do this, 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 and this, if you know, and then, and that, that turns into a misunderstanding of what the Bible really teaches us and really shows us what I, at least from my perspective, which is the Bible is full of people who are dealing with devastating tragedies. Yeah. Dang. And God's message through that whole thing is Look at my example of what the sinful world is and what it looks like and understand that when God is saying he doesn't aban- he doesn't abandon he's talking about in those tragedies in those deep dark places where you are screaming out at God in anger over what he has allowed to happen. That's when he doesn't abandon. And I think that there are a lot of people that have found comfort in that promise, have found, have found that that was the only place that they could find comfort in the face. One of the, um, most i don't know if inspiring is the word but one of like the the stories i heard that hit me the hardest when it came to tragedy and how people deal with loss is that uh song uh by it's horatio spafford uh the song is it is well yeah it's well with my soul it is well with my soul and he lost his entire family his entire family and it, and it wasn't just all at once. It was like over a, a course of a few different events, yep. shipwrecks and different stuff. Yep. He lost daughters, sons, wife, everyone. Yep. And after 
all of that. After. He wrote that song, It Is Well, With My Soul. Right. And so, so listen to that song and understand that, uh, I mean, do I don't know the all the, I can't think of all the details off term, but it was a shipwreck. And he lost yeah. like his daughters and his wife. And, yeah. Um, I can't imagine, you know, I just can't imagine how uh, you could go through something like that and, and write such a beautiful song about yeah, the peace I believe that, the, that I believe God the story actually, I, I, if I remember it correctly, and somebody out there probably knows better than I do, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I, if I remember correctly, he, the, there was a shipwreck where his wife and, and daughters were lost, and he actually sailed and wrote that hymn at about the spot where the other ship had gone down. Dang. So who knows how much of that is just embellishment yeah. on a story huh. and, and real. Yeah. Or real. But yeah. So that would be that would be the number one thing. The um I'm going to skip the mental health thing because I'm not sure I've got that totally figured out. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? I mean, we all have, we all have things that we're wired a different way, different ways that create certain angsts and certain restlessness and certain things that you then, everybody copes with those in a different way and everybody deals with those in a different way. And, Sometimes it's destructive and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it is managed, right? Mm. Um, I think that the biggest thing is mental health-wise, I think for it's the hardest thing for me because my brain is always going a million miles an hour. I've, I've got one of the things that my brain is capable of doing is worrying about a hundred things at the same time, mm. just shuffle them like a Rolodex. And so for me, I think the key to key to mental health for me is just trying to slow that down and just live in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, grab the lawnmower and don't think about anything except making straight lines in the lawn for an hour, <laughs> you know, yeah. just getting, you know, getting outside, getting on my bike, riding my bike. You know, I think activity, I think, I mean, for me, outside activity has a lot to do with just mental, mental health and, and mm. feeling at peace. Yeah. Gotcha. And then what were the other subjects? Um, if we want to get into it, we're, we're going we're, here. I got to get over to Casey's. Yeah, I got to get over do. to Casey's and get out of my day. But I, don't, but I also want to live in this moment because yeah. we're on to something here and I don't want to cut this off. I don't want to cut this off. Even if people quit listening by now, I want to keep, keep yeah. going with this a little bit. But the other ones were uh, relationships and, and travel. Oh, man. Travel tips, relationship Travel advice. tips. I, you know... Travel tips, do it. Do it. Go. Mm -hmm. Do it. Go to that place. Because 
I still think that the one of the challenges that your mom and I both have is we have this just wanderlust that just grabs a hold of us and it's like we just have to it's we just time to go it's mm. just time we got to go we got to go i mean um and i think part of that is just because we like getting out and seeing and and doing different things but there's also a life gets really <laughs> simple on the road mm. yeah When's the next place you need to get gas? Where are you sleeping? What are you eating? And what are you doing tomorrow? Yep. That's, and so there's a beauty, there, there's, there's something, there's something to it. And so, yeah, I, travel advice, go. Mm, I love it. Go and do it. And then relationship advice. I think that... Best relationship advice that I could give, and it might not be that great, <laughs> but there's nothing more important than the right person. And that's it, it. It sounds strange, and I I don't know how to explain that other than I have I believe that I'm an incredibly fortunate man to have met somebody that is just my person yeah that that just kind of everything kind of just falls to, together there's not a there's not a tension there's not a there's there's not a even i mean even when we first met and we were first we were first dating there was this just kind of symmetry there that made that made sense mm -hmm. and so i guess in that sense the relationship advice is don't force it cuz the right thing is the right thing and the right thing happens not necessarily automatically there's got to be some initiative mm -hmm. but the right thing happens automatically in the in it becoming comfortable um because in the end when all is said and done that's a person you need to be comfortable with yeah absolutely well shoot dad thank you for all right thank you for chatting this is the longest one. I don't know if this will be the longest one. Maybe when I have some more time and I sit down with some people, 
We'll see how long these get, but I have a yeah. feeling this will probably be one of the longest ones. For a, for a quick morning update, it wasn't so quick. But, no, it wasn't. But it was really. fun. It was but, fun. One of these days, um, I want to sit down here when I get back and and do a full like unload, like deep dive into okay. your life. Not necessarily for a podcast, yep. but for just for our for our family, for All right. for the grandkids and for Casey yeah. and Ryan. Sure. And, and everyone and really dig in and let you talk for like five hours because I feel like you you got a oh, lot there, of stuff yeah. to say. Well, I'm so. old. <laughs> I'm old. There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. And I'll uh, I'll be back with a brewery review, hopefully a brewery review this afternoon if it works out. Maybe two today. Maybe we get to one in the city somewhere too. So Oh, maybe. We'll see how it goes. But All right. Uh, hey, guys, don't forget Stumbino's Coffee. Yeah, it's the right. best thing you can put in your cup. Hey, there we go. That's right. Go, I got to plug the sponsors at the end there. <laughs> I've seen these faces and I've heard it all before. I got a list of places that I don't go anymore. Goodbye to nothing and hello to nothing more.